is up? Hey, Jeffrey. How's it going, man? Oh, it's going pretty good. I'm ready to talk about some soccer ball. I'm glad. And who are you? Uh, my name is... <laughs> Fuck. I was like, what's, what's the southern version of Skylar? Oh, wait. Wait, that was a southern accent? Like It was just like, I'm from the mountains. <laughs> the south of what country? No. Uh, yeah. Just, France. Just, a, just an old mountainy <laughs> accent. Just a funny guy accent. So funny. I actually am from France, but grew up in isolation. <laughs> I'm a, it's a feral accent. I learned how to do it from TV. My only friend was HomestarRunner.com in my upbringing. Coach Z, you might say. <laughs> I didn't have a job until I was 31. But I enjoyed a good chafe, I'll tell you that. Uh, let's check out the emails for the podcast. Uh, we're sending the emails. <laughs> I was so thinking about that. Like almost every day, actually, when I check my email, I go check out the email, check out the email, check out, check out, check out, check out, check out the email. <laughs> and uh, every time it fails to cheer me up. But, How yeah. specific is Homestar Runner of a reference? Like, we're both men of a certain age. Uh, and I know I would say it's it's not a male thing necessarily, right? It's like anybody who was on the internet in like 2000 yeah. to 2006. It's like the only time like in the history of the internet that there was like pretty much a 50-50 split on gender on a thing. Like right. usually anything that's on the internet is like 99% skewed to one gender or the other. And it's dudes. <laughs> yeah, and every time. It, yeah. <laughs> No, that's not true. It's 99%, 100% dudes. <laughs> it is funny, though, like, on any, like, internet, like, thing where people are anonymous, people have to, like, go out of their way to point out, like, and me, who is a woman, as I mentioned in the last sentence. Like... <laughs> and then the top comments, like, hey, OP's a woman. Like, like, like everyone <laughs> yeah. else is trying to help distribute <laughs> that information. <laughs> no, because, like, the, the other top comments are like, well, I don't know. Like, just grab the base of your schlong. Like, dude, it's not. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> My schlong is not a schlong. It's vagina. Um, vagina. <laughs> so speaking, speaking of nothing. Uh, do how, right, so. This is. Would you say is this our last episode for the season, or what is our like summer I, perspective? I suppose, although. I mean, A, the season's going to start early this year. So last August, of the season right? put this at like early August. And then, I don't know. I'm sure the, there may be, I mean, usually there would be a thing called the World Cup. But this year there's going. we're going to do that in the winter so that we can give money to the people of Qatar. Um, right. To all the people. To all the people. Yeah. Of I was going to say, they're going to spend it pretty evenly. They're going to do a lot of like <laughs> worker safety sort of things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, this one it could be the last one for a little while. Although I don't know, I wouldn't mind jumping back in at some point. But there won't be a lot of news to cover for a couple months. Well, let's let's not plan it. But when if either of our teams makes a big signing, maybe it's like emergency transfer pod. Yeah. If either of our teams makes a big signing, so yeah. if your team makes a big signing, <laughs> oh, I was gonna say. So of course it'll be you guys because I feel like. Like our typical signing is like seventeen million for a Brazilian nineteen-year-old that no one's ever heard of, and honestly, 
Well, I don't know. This segues quite nicely into the main segment of the show today. Main segment. Oh, wait. No, it doesn't. It does it? <laughs> well, does I mean, you t- if you want to do these these uh, topics out of order, we can totally do that. But Oh, sorry. Before we get to the summer, do we want to get to last Sunday? Uh, I didn't watch. No, I'm just kidding. No, it was fine. Oh, you didn't watch? <laughs> you won... <laughs> you won- Four to one? Was that five right? Or four to one? To one? Five, five to one? one? Yeah, oh, you didn't watch. Poor Jeff. Jeff didn't get every present he asked for on his birthday. It was it was a weird birthday, though, where it was like the day before your birthday, someone said, no matter what happens tomorrow, you're your not Your parents getting... are splitting up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Your parents are splitting up, or you know, you're not getting all five of the Power Rangers that you need to build the giant Power Ranger thing. And then you get four of them, which on any other day would have been like great. But I can't make the Megazord with just four of them. Mm-hmm. And then now, actually, for the rest of the summer, you have to hear about how you won't be able to make the Megazord and how, you know, several of the attractive, you know, 19 year old Italians that you'd like to bring in are not going to want to play with you. And Eric and Hog is like, we uh, might not make a Megazord. We might make a uh, Voltron. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't have know. a Ten Hag impression yet. That was that was sort of an insert future impression here. I was gonna say, like, so far on your accents, they've ju- they've been funny. I'll give you that, but uh, they haven't it's been just, real accents. It's just like Danish, Wenger, Dutch, German guy. Yeah, which probably is about right for him. I've never heard him speak. What does he sound like? You don't he, know either. I I listened to some of his first press conference. Not all of it. Because honestly, I didn't find him that pleasant to listen to. Like, mm. Ralph Rangnick, I feel like, is sort of more blunt, transparent German where who speaks English fluently, like went to school in the UK when he was a college-age young man. Okay. Eric okay. Ten Hag is made fun of, by, or at least was when he showed up, by other Dutch players, coaches, press, because... There's like a very cosmopolitan Dutch that is spoken in Amsterdam, and he speaks more of what's called like the farmer's Dutch. Oh, well, I kind of like that. But but he already kind of had been dealing with that, and now his English is like okay. It's not like some of the players and coaches who speak through an interpreter. Or like he spe- mm-hmm. but he speaks very short sentences, very deliberate like sentences. He sometimes uses the wrong word, but you still kind of get what he means. But that yeah. makes it hard to, I think, improvise as him because he kind of doesn't communicate perfectly. Hmm. But yeah, hmm. but like, but at least he's still cut from the same cloth of Ralph as like, I'm not going to lie to blow hot air up my employer's asses. Like, I'd rather get fired for saying the truth kind of thing. Is So he he does have the stereotypical Dutch personality as yes. evidenced on like uh, Ted Lasso, where he's like, well, you know, and I, I think that that will serve him well if, you know, if if United don't have like a miracle bounce back season next year, and we won't like if there if there are ups and downs, then like having someone who tells it like it is. I do think that like if you, you can get out in front of the English press a little bit if you're self-deprecating and you say like, we didn't have it tonight. That wasn't good enough. Like we're Manchester United, you know, like even like little things like that will go a long way rather than like. I don't know. If you get like a case of the Jose Mourinho's, you're like, well, it wasn't fair. We should have won then. He's not that guy. He reminds me more of Guardiola, which I know as a United fan could be a mixed 
compliment slash insult, depending upon which part. First of all, everyone online has been talking about him being our own little bald fraud, which I know is a weird soccer he meme. Does, he does look exactly like Pep Guardiola. I never put it together until I saw a picture of them next to each other today. It's very strange. He also managed the Bayern reserves when Pep was managing the Bayern first team. So there's that weird little matching luggage mm-hmm. fact. Interesting. But also it's the way he sort of like sits there sort of defiantly right off the bat. And he's just sort of like, he, he there's like a slight disdain for the press that I can sense from his like first sentence. Mm. Which they mm. won't like him and they'll go after him. But if he doesn't care and the results are fine, I think he'll win that battle. But if he if the results are kind of tough, articles are going to be coming out being like, is Ten Hag in over his head? Like, like yeah. if they don't love you, they're more inclined to bash you. That's very true. And I think it matters like sort of a surprisingly large amount because every manager goes on like these runs of good and bad form. And it's right. like, if you can't lose like three or four games without everyone, you know, imbibing this like pr- propaganda about you and how, you know, you terrible and need to get out. Then, well, the cops first two seasons were kind of like maybe a good case of what, like if Ton Hog does well, it will look like Klopp's first two seasons. Cause that's like the high, that's the highest we could dream right now. Yeah. Like, and like qualification. Because he, he had that sort of famously bad first season, which I don't even know what if he was six in or seven time. I was going to say, I think they got seventh. And it's like, but that was without his transfers. That was yeah. without any of his people coming in. And that, yeah, what, did he take over midseason, Klopp? Because he had been fired from Dortmund for like some yeah. an iffy Dortmund finish where I think they were. They had like a really weirdly bad year. Right. Which also like, and I feel like that was counted against him because it was like, it's like, okay, a manager who's having a bad time then comes here and continues to have a bad time. So now you've had like a season and a half or like maybe even a full season of just being bad. Like that year, Dortmund was like 10th in the Bundesliga. It was really strange. So uh, Braj, uh, Leicester's current boss, was managing Liverpool until October 4th. So that is an early sacking. Yikes. Yeah, that's like that month, early month three of the season and it's October 4th. So it just it's like two the season's like two months old and he and Rogers got fired. Klopp was already available from being dismissed from Dortmund. And it was like a perfect time, perfect place kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But so then then they finished in the league as eighth, which is, I would say, pretty much where we are right now. Yeah. Well, and, you guys like, are a little better than eighth. But no, we still. finished. We finished sixth. But right now, we are like probably the eighth best team. Was the team that finished sixth had some contributions from Mason Greenwood and some contributions from Rashford. Gosh, and, like it's such a big loss. The Mason, like I, even just from a pure football standpoint, like you had a good young homegrown striker, and now you don't for something. You know what I mean? Like for in a thing that you don't even consider in football terms like and i would say he was excellent i think good is maybe even underselling yeah, that, him. i'm like, probably over- underselling him yeah for sure but we will with not the, you know speak of he him was, anymore he <laughs> excellent with a ceiling of who knows which is the really crazy thing a ceiling of shearer um but yeah so so i i i i, I do dig- digress i must digress mm-hmm. uh final match week so of course city 
pips Liverpool to the title, and and there was a good you thirty minutes wish. or so. City won the title. <laughs> oh, it makes me feel sick, man. It's like, oh man, if someone's gonna fuck my wife, I hope it's this one friend who I like a little bit more than this other friend. Like it's, it's like yeah. bad. It's a bad situation. Yeah, but nobody okay. wants their brother to fuck their wife. Ryan Giggs. Um. Yeah, at least it was just the best man of my <laughs> wedding, and not like a familial gangbang. Not dad. Um, yeah. <laughs> But but so yeah, but it's just it's like liver, the thought of Liverpool winning the quadruple. I would quit this podcast and I might switch to like curling or or something less damaging. <laughs> but then but then Liverpool would come in and win the triple crown of curling, which is probably a thing. Oh my god! Please don't. Now you're ruining curling for me, Jeff. Damn it's it! It's done. <laughs> the game is gone. <laughs> Arsenal. Uh, I have to say, like even though Spurs won that last Champions League spot. I still think overall you guys finished like a place or two or three higher than maybe any one of us would have guessed going into the yeah. season. So progress is evident even if it's not finished. And you're yeah. competing against Harry Kane and Son. Like th- those two players alone are better than really anybody on form that either of our teams has. So like you can't two of the best <laughs> forwards in the league. I mean Son won the Golden Boot this year, which is almost unheard of from i mean from the left wing position which is pretty amazing do you remember when he was a player that we were all just like who cares yes and no like on some level there was a a weird on sun level there was a time where every player that was signed from asia you almost wondered like is this like gonna be a real signing that they expect to contribute or is this a way for them to like gain entry yeah exactly to like this this burgeoning market and like arsenal certainly have signed players like that over the years where like they they never had a sniff of the first team but for for Arsenal fans, Sun has always been an Arsenal killer. So basically, as soon as I've like I've always had the opinion of him, like he's always as good as he was all season this year. That's how good he is every game against Arsenal. So in a weird way, it was mm. just like a confirmation of how good I always kind of thought he was once I had had a look at him. But but like, do you remember Nani by any chance? United of winger course, Nani. Yeah, yeah. In my mind, he was like a Nani level player where he's like, if this is where we're talking FIFA, mm. you're an eighty five. You have great attributes that make you dangerous, but you're inconsistent. And it was like this year is the year he became like maybe more important to Spurs than Harry Kane, whereas it's always been the opposite. I did see an interesting stat about him today, though. It was comparing him to the entire team of Norwich, um, who we desperately (laughs) needed to beat because they had the same amount of goals. Norwich had 23 goals this season and son also had 23 goals, but Norwich had it with about 32 in chains XG and son had it with about 16 in change XG. So he and scored so, some incredibly hard goals. I think so. I mean, and part of that, you, like it's hard to take that away from him because if you're good at finishing, then you score some things that, you know, maybe are low XG. I do think, like, even if he, like, let's say he had just scored what he's supposed to score, like 16 or 17 goals from the wing in a system where you're second fiddle to Kane, like, that's also pretty darn good. Um, so we didn't I have know, that. Not, not taking anything <laughs> away from him, but I do think that, like, you know, this was a, this was a good year on many levels for Mr. Sun. Right. And, and, and to make you feel a little better about how that, Results in Conte, clearly a great win now manager who can organize a defense. If he doesn't come to Spurs, I think that that spot is yours. 
for sure. I mean, and that's what I think hurts about it is that we sort of, I think Arsenal over the winter break decided let's, let's clear this house out. And we got rid of Callum Chambers and we got rid of Ainsley Maitland Niles. And we got, you know, just, there were a lot of players in there that you kind of thought, man, like we might be a little thin now, but ultimately these guys need to go. And so it's probably good for us to save a half season's worth of wages and have a buyer when we have a buyer and, you know, get them off the books. Whereas Spurs did the opposite and it hurts that, you know, for them it paid off because, you know, if you had told me in January, like we might miss the champions league by one Callum chambers, I would have laughed in your face, but then you look and we missed it by two points. And it's like, we had a real selection problem in the end where we didn't have the defense. So that's that one goal. You think that's like that two points is like one goal that someone prevents. And then it goes from a tie I mean, to a win. Like one late season game where we're not short a defender and we're not, I mean, we were playing Shaka at left back at points this year. Like we were playing Tavares who was at a point where he, I mean, it was like he, he looked good at points in the year, but by the time we really had to play him, he looked like, like he really didn't even want to be in the game. If I'm honest, um, he's the one so player I'm confident we've covered on this podcast. The one Arsenal yeah. player that we definitely have gone into detail for is Tavares, oddly, because there are so many other maybe more talented contributors that we just don't talk about very much. Perhaps. Yeah. No, he's he's like he's such an enigma that we have talked about him a lot. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately it's like the same take that a million other people have had that like if you told us at the beginning of the year or especially if you had told us after we lost to Brentford. Chelsea, right. um, you know, and I believe it was Man City in those first three games, you know, that we would still have a chance to go play in Europe um, and maybe even, you know, be within a sniff or two of Champions League. Most people would have taken it. So I keep trying to remind myself of that. And if you had told me, Jeff, that my team would barely edge themselves into a Europa League spot while losing on the last day of the season. I would have not signed up for that. I would have been mad. But now <laughs> I was at the point in this last day where I was caring more about Brighton beating West Ham than the result of the United match, which we lost one nothing to Palace. We played pretty pathetically as we've done for the last few months. Um, but the difference between Europa League and the Europa Conference League, which was, it's a, it's like $30, $40 million just of revenue. That's a whole additional rebuild player. Yeah, it is. And if we and, had qualified for Champions did. League, it would be another one, but we didn't. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing that does kill you is like, now we're getting linked to all these players that you think, like for one... Well, I don't know. Are we ready to segue yet, or are we? Am I we segue? Can. Oh, and never. By the way, I never used the for the for our one Twitch oh, streamer. Man. I never put the final match week. Uh, the final match week. Do -do -do. Do -do -do -do. <laughs> but whatever. Uh, Asia or Europe or whoever sang that would probably be pissed and sue us. Um, but but oh, so the, the the last bit of the final match week, Jeff. Uh, who went down and who didn't go down was kind of fun to watch like the is it burnley is it until the until the until last week it was is it everton is it leeds and i mean that everton game was crazy what Just, did you I mean the, the atmosphere there were i saw a grandma accost a random palace player like as he was taking too long to throw the ball in and she slapped him and like you're talking about the match like a, last week the 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 one hey, that i'm talking about yeah the, the pen safe. ultimate right right right, right. 
Um, but and the one where Patrick Vieira um, also beat up a fan and apparently is just going to get away with it. That's strange. Yeah, they're not pressing charges, which I thought was funny because I think you maybe there's some like, here's an envelope of money, go away kind of thing. I wonder. Um, I mean, the guy certainly like, I mean, this is not a legal doctrine that I'm aware of, but the guy certainly had it coming in this. I mean, this is actually it's really interesting. It's very similar if you follow garbage news the way I do, like when Mike Tyson uh, punch that guy on the flight recently. Oh, I thought you meant like, what's new in the world of recycling, refuse, <laughs> landfills? <laughs> yes, you know I follow that. Garbage news, yeah. <laughs> that would have been the new podcast head. It's <laughs> me, the trash heap, your number one reporter on garbage news. <laughs> eh, there's no such thing as the mafia. <laughs> uh, <laughs> At the, um, and he's like, Taco Carlson has said, <laughs> he's <laughs> reporting actual garbage. At the end of it, he goes, the trash heap has spoken. And that, that's the end of the show, which is, again, it's a Fraggle Rock reference. Maybe I'm not, not sure everyone. if you know what reporting is. <laughs> I don't. I, have you seen this podcast? <laughs> um, oh, so are you, so Leeds, all right, so Everton stayed up. We found it last week. The, their fans stormed the pitch. It was insane to witness. Uh, just honestly glad Liverpool didn't get that sort of smug like we sent Everton is sent down like Liverpool it's like does this hurt Liverpool or not is what we need to make our decisions based on <laughs> that's um, how you make it yeah that's how I, I, mean, I cross the street if it hurts Liverpool it's um, crazy I mean with just a few goals going differently it's theoretically possible that Liverpool could have won the quadruple in a season that Everton got relegated like that's just someone who sold their soul and, you know, go check around Anfield and someone in one of those row houses has sold their soul to the devil. If that you can see like the flames of hell in Jurgen's eye reflection. I think if you look close enough, you see the flickering of devil flames. He's definitely signed up for some well, shit. Certainly Fergie saw it because you saw when he had to hand him a trophy today or was it yesterday, I guess. Is that what happened? He well, because he and then he even said, like, this is absolute pain for me. Why and does he, like, he have to hand him a trophy? He's not the trophy man. We haven't had a trophy in a decade. Fergie should have nothing to do with that. No, it was the uh, it was the manager of the year. And for some reason, he was like slated to present it and he went through with it. And he's like, I don't really like doing this. And he like he handed it to him and then just kind of like slinked away. And then, then Klopp pulled Klopp him in for a photo. Cheek <laughs> Klopp cheekily is like, no, get over here, bud. Uh I, I think if you're Fergie, okay. you've got to be like, I don't think I want to do things anymore. Yeah, like, I do think there's a point where he could just decide, like, uh, like, well, what's it going to do? Ruin my career? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, then he loses all his money and resources. Uh, something bad happens <laughs> where he gets canceled. All of that just happens, like, almost like X, mm -hmm. uh, DSX Machina, like, Something swoops in and punishes him for not handing that trophy over from like a karma, a karmic perspective. A karmic stand, the football gods. Mm. They'll pun it's Shakespearean that. tragedy. Like you run from your fate and somehow the running from your fate is what makes your fate happen. The running from your fate is what makes your fate happen. Wow. Good title for this episode. Great segue. <laughs> Speaking of running from your fate, speaking of running from your fate, sacrificing young virgins to the football gods, who are uh, the twenty-year-olds you'd like to buy? Do you want to set up the segment? Let's do it. So we've given each other one hundred and fifty million dollars of fake money. Oh, um, just in gifts, just in charitable gifts. 
Yeah, yeah. No, we both wrote each other a check. They will bounce. And um, Jeff, can you and- not cash my check until I cash your check? Because I think my bank <laughs> yeah, balance. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm I need, need your check. I'm going to need a minute on that. If we catch the checks at the same time, I think we'd be fine, right? I think somehow we would end up down 40 bucks. There'd be a bank fee in <laughs> there. would be an overdraft. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so, so sorry. $150 million. $150 million. Who are your sign? I mean, this is this is a good... These are two good teams to do this exercise with because I think it's clear that both teams need to sign a bunch of players, right? I mean, realistically, I think my team has more holes than your team, but I would say we probably will both sign less than what optimally we should sign. Yeah. I think on some level, in terms of like a starting 11, Arsenal have probably nine or 10 of those players. And I'm not sure that United could say that right now. But Mm -hmm. the crazy thing is, I mean, for us, we went from, you guys were already in Europe with this squad, whereas... We were not. And so for us, I think we need a lot of like, like now we need some cannon fodder because we just have games to get through. But don't you have so many players that are between like 20 and 24 that could take an additional letter grade or half letter grade step up in the next year? There is that. And then there's even like, you know, from the youth team, there's a couple names that are getting batted around. So, I mean, I would, I would absolutely love it if a, um, you know, if if there was a right back that came out of nowhere, like we could use that. Um, but we'll see. I think at most these are going to be guys that just sort of contribute around the fringes, but we need that this season. Um, we need to get some, you know, I don't, unfortunately we are a team that wins two thirds of our games when parties in the lineup, but he's hurt all the time now. And so, so who, who, who you got? Tell, take us through, take us through like, who is the player? What are they doing for you? How much either? Because by the way, for anyone listening, Jeff and I don't know how much someone will cost. So obviously you've got to yeah. just sort of make a, make a rough guess. And like there are lots of articles that we've looked at that just had like suggested arguable prices. Could it be less than sure. that? Could it be more than that? Sure. And I cooked, I cooked the books on mine to just make sure that the math worked in the end. But okay. um, <laughs> no, Fair. actually, I did do that for a while. And then I uncooked them because I was like, oh, that's un- that's unfair. Um, but I think I think Arsenal clearly we, we don't have a center forward right now. Right. Well, actually, this is sort of breaking news. But like right before this podcast started, it looks like it's like Ornstein official, but not pen on paper official that Enketi is going to re-sign. So now oh, we have was one. he was he running running his contract down? He, his contract was over this summer. Lacazette's contract was over this summer. Obama right. Yang, who actually had three years on his deal, just He's couldn't... Gone. Yeah, he couldn't show up on time to things. Arteta didn't want any part of him, which is <laughs> really unfortunate because like out of the three of them, Obama Yang is, at least right now, at least today, the best. Maybe Nketia will one day go on to eclipse him. I think he's still 22, and he's had like a great run of form lately. But, but you performed Obama worse Yang, with Obama Yang than you did after he left, though. True, but then, I mean, Obama Yang himself, he I think he had like 11 goals for Barca. And so I think the team... You know, if he had been in the team instead of Lacazette or Enketia, I think we score more goals there. And you know what I even mean? Even if you and had half margin... of those, even right. if you add half of those to the total you had, because we had, I think between, I think Lacazette had four, and I think Enketia had five this season. So okay. it's like, 
you know, that's I'm I'm not great at math, but that's less than eleven right there. And you know what I mean? And that's <laughs> Meet um, the mathematicians. Yeah. Blow your mind. We're we're um, not sure, but we think four is less than eleven and <laughs> But, but I also, I'm kind of hoping that we get to a sort of weird, like, I don't want a striker for striker's sake kind of striker. You know, like, I don't want, like, the next Olivier Giroud or, like, just some guy who's six foot two and just kind decent. of, like, I'd rather, you, you know, the one name that we've been linked to the most in this offseason so far is probably Gabriel Jesus. And, like, I would love to see this Arsenal team be a bunch of fast, tricky forwards up front, interchanging roles. You know, Arteta's already hinted that maybe Smith Rowe could be a center forward at some point. Um, that's an interesting thing. I mean, he's certainly not like the stereotypical striker, but I would I would love to see, like if Arteta thinks it's a good idea, I'd love to see what it looked like on the field. Um, at the very least, what, like a false nine, sort of someone that's in that role, but then checks... Maybe yeah, like further a, back like into the midfield. Mino kind of like he's going to press his balls off and, you know, do all that. He's just like pressing his oh. balls off with his thumbs. For he's anyone like, who's why, just listening why am to I the into this. <laughs> <laughs> I hate myself, but even that kind of gets me going. When you're a wealthy Brazilian, you need some kinky ass shit to get through the year. <laughs> but yeah, but before I get into specific names, I should point out that I'm not. I don't actually have like a wish list of players that I think we should sign. I have players that sort of fit into the holes that I see in the team. But what okay. the team should do is sign a bunch of players that Jeff Vitkin has never heard of, because those seems to that seems to be the stuff that works out the best. You know, like a, a few well, years sometimes, back, sometimes when it I does said, when it's... Who, the, "Who the hell is Gabrielle Martinelli?" You know what I mean? Like these are the signings that come good for us. It's not the guys that I like have my heart set on and who should have, you know, they were like all stars four years ago. That's not what works. Who the hell is Bebe? <laughs> that sounds like what does that sound like, man? That's so poetic. Who the well, hell it's is a character. Bebe? Bebe is a character on South Park, but he was also a homeless footballer that Sir Alex Ferguson oh, signed for a lot of money. And who the hell is Bebe sounds like just like an amazing book or something or or maybe like a Jordy well, album, like a like a coming you remember Jordy, right? I uh, no, I thought you meant like the people from Newcastle. <laughs> no. Or them too, yeah. They could have an album. But like, um fuck. Sorry, take us take us through fill up fill some arsenal holes. Fill some arson holes. I'm gonna fill some arsenal holes. So one signing that it looks like it's basically done already is a 19-year-old. Well, it's a Brazilian named Marquinhos, but wait, not that Marquinhos. It's a 19-year-old winger from Sao Paulo. Apparently, they are really, really upset that he's leaving, and that always makes you feel good. And I don't know. I think that that's like the kind of signing that we need. It's a $3 million signing. He's probably, is he going to be coming in and scoring 20 goals next season? Probably not, but that's the kind of striker we need and or mm -hmm. not kind of striker, but kind of forward. And I think like really we, we need to skew young on these signings, especially up front because we're trying to press. And so we need guys who want to run and run and run. It looks like he's going to be one of those. And for you, 25 so think, is still roughly young. 
Uh, I think twenty five. Yeah, I guess that's like I guess that's like the oldest young is anymore. It feels like, but that's the age you pay peak money because they're still young yeah. enough that you could argue, oh, you're getting lots yeah. of years with them. But now they've already started to spend some of their prime somewhere else. Yeah, and then and then the real problem with that, I think, is. You know, like until you're 25, you can just do backflips off of houses and land on your neck and it's like fine. But then, you know, it's like Thomas Party, for instance. I think we signed him when he was 25, maybe 26. He had basically never been injured. And then as soon as he gets to Arsenal, he is in- injured all the time. And I think like that's the real problem is like when you get a guy that starts to work and then he's out of the in and out of the lineup, we can't afford to do that. And we know that whatever is in the water, you know, at London Colney is going to make people like get dead but then but then so so then let me can you hear me still yep i I can still hear you fine do you remember that one episode where where i accidentally muted it i figured out how that happened there's a mute button inside of (laughs) firefox's tiny little tab so if you click on the tab to like jump to it you might accidentally mute the tab that was why that happened oh why firefox would you want that even i feel yeah it feels like a feature that's a solution to a problem nobody really had um (laughs) but but so this is my question about jesus so obviously his numbers are pretty good at city where he's never been sort of favored as first choice which you've got to wonder why not like they've basically played without a striker as much as with one if they've got him sitting there and once opposed to Guero, like, why? Why not just throw yourself into Jesus? I'm wondering if his numbers are Jay's juiced by the yeah. fact that he's at City. Like, I'm wondering, could I score 10 goals in the Premier League if I was City's starting strike? Or, like, you know what I mean? Like, I-, yeah. I wonder if he goes to your club and he's good, but he's never looks as good as he did in City's, like, steamroller of a team. Not not meant to be an Arsenal Very criticism, true. but, like, the same would maybe have to be. Yeah. So, you, uh, so I, I wonder, wonder about him at that price. At 60 million, you kind of want someone who's, like, going to be a top four striker in the league. Yeah, you want, like, a Nicola Pepe, you know? Like, I'm putting down <laughs> the big money. I <laughs> Your no. frame of reference as an Arsenal <laughs> fan is always going to be a little funny. Yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, I I think I worry about that too. The one thing that makes me worry about it less, although I still think it's something to worry about, is that you know Arteta not that long ago was his coach at Man City. You know, he's been up close and personal with him. I think he has a good idea of whether or not he would be an upgrade for us. Right. Um, but yeah, there is that chance. And I think, I mean, everyone that plays in, I think you're right. Like, I do think that I could get a goal if I played for Man City. Like, I'm, I'm not saying I'll get more, double digits. I think, digits, you get I, think I could one. get a goal. <laughs> like, I think you'd get more than one. There would be, if they just put you in the box, the amount of chance generation that some of their wingers and other attacking <laughs> midfielders can do on their own means the ball's going to just fall to your feet eventually. You could probably get like a handful of Premier League goals if the rest of the players around you are that dominant. Yeah. Think of, look at how many look at how many fucking passengers United will carry in a match and sometimes they still win and score goals. So like if yeah. you if any if either of us would put in City's lineup, I think that would maybe hand Liverpool the title this year, but like at the same point I still think we would score some goals. And like that's nuts to think about. And it's just I'm not saying you are I, you or I are in the same planet as Gabriel Jesus, but for 60 million, you'd want him to be like dominant. Right. 
And then speaking of sort of dominant players who probably are worth 60 million, okay. the other one that we've been linked to a lot as of like the last 24 hours or so is a player that actually came up through our system. This is kind of our Pogba. This is confusing. Not our, not our recent Pogba, like, but the Pogba before you got him back when you actually wanted him back. Um, Serge Gnabry. But but here's the thing. you In this document, which you can't see if you're listening to this podcast, but you have them listed as an or. Well, because I think, I think realistically with our budget, we're probably we could maybe have one big ticket forward, right? You know so, but, I mean? but but for this exercise, you're going well. I want my cake, and I would like to eat it too. So I'm going to list both of them. Yeah, I I I have to say I would probably I would probably prefer Gnabry just because I I mean I remember the way that he played, and I think he would slot so well into this team because he's got. I don't know. He's got the athleticism and he has the technical ability to just play the kind of football that Arteta wants to play. He's a guy that interestingly has played something like a dozen matches as a center forward at Bayern. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is hard to do because Lewandowski starts almost every match. Yeah. And, and, but, and like, if you look at the numbers that he's put up as a center forward, he's been very good. I mean, he's a certain kind of center forward. He's the kind that is like five foot eight or whatever he is. But so is so is Jesus. So he's like a little Walcotty, isn't he? Um, no, I think he has a lot more technical ability. Like because Walcott was such a pace, yeah. But like he's very he has a lot more lateral movement in his game. He's very tricky to guard. I think he's you know he's also good without the ball, but. Um, he's a, I think he's a better passer than Walcott was. So I don't know. I mean, I mean, I mean, he, look, he's the version he's, he's better than Walcott is what I'm saying. He plays for Bayern and is very good for them. Um, but he's another guy where it would, it would be such an arsenal thing to do. Well, actually we don't do this, but it would be, it would be so unlucky and, and arsenal is unlucky to skip the good part of his career. Cause we sort of suffered with him when he was a youth player who showed a lot of potential. And there was a point where I vividly remembered thinking is he's actually a player that he was very similar to at the time. And they even looked similar was Alex Oxlade Chamberlain. And I remembered at the time thinking that the Ox was maybe the more talented of the two, just like I thought Sturridge was more talented than Sterling Sterling. So, you know, never trust my evaluation. Yeah. These things. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think that, I don't know, he would be an interesting one for me. Like, could he come be the Firmino piece of this team? Um, that would be that would be fantastic. And I, I don't know, every, I would love the homecoming story. And then... Well, you fly through some of these other names, at least, because yeah, yeah, otherwise, otherwise it can be a three-hour... <laughs> um, so then the other two that I, I'm very interested in, would, and these are both in the like a new signing category, is Reese Nelson coming back from the Netherlands. Um, I from think Fy- he, could, he has seemed to click on there, and like they really want to keep him, so I don't want them to have him. Um, and, you know, Spike and Ketia, who basically did sign. <laughs> and then continuing in that same mode, I think, you know, and this will be a tough pill for Arteta to swallow, but I don't know. I don't know if we're going to be able to do better than Lucas Torreira as a rotation terms, option. In, yeah, in terms of because like our our starting lineup is obviously Parta and Party and Jaka back there. 
But then we have Sambula Conga, who I kind of believe could do something in that role. And then if we had Torreira and we have El Nenny, who's also re-signed, like, I think now we have, like, a nice, like, that is a good rotation that could make it through the Europa League and the million games we're going to have to play this year. Right. And so I wouldn't mind that. The other name that we're always linked to is Tielemann. Um, but, I mean, I do think we need at least one more deep-lying midfielder. And I think we could do worse than Torreira. And I wouldn't mind getting Tielemans, who's right on that cusp. He's that 25-year-old age that we talked about where it's like, uh, we might be on the tail end of this thing. He we always felt wasted. At 60, 000, but... he, he felt wasted at Leicester when he went there. I was like, you were a much more heralded prospect than like going to play for Leicester. So yeah. I kind of want him to get out of there. Not saying I want him to go to Arsenal, uh, but <laughs> but definitely get him out of there. Yeah. And but you think thirty was thirty five million what you were finding online for him, or is that like hopeful? I've seen a lot of number. I've I've seen some as high as fifty for him, but I think that thirty five was when I was still trying to cook the books where we could get Ganabri and Gabriel Jesus. Um, but after a while, I just realized that right because I'm looking. You looks like you've got sixty three up here. You've got fifty or so down here. So, so now I'm under, under budget. The, you're under budget, but I think that I'm not, is Tielemans on like the last year of his contract or something? I want to say oh. if so, that could be the reason why. Like one of mine, I think I'm getting for cheaper because it's from a, a relegated team and they're going to need money ASAP. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, this doesn't apply to Gnabry exactly because Bayern is probably not getting relegated anytime soon, but he is he is in contract discussions that are going poorly, and so. If that he's only either got means one year left, you a, might get it cheaper. Yeah, he has two years left, but I think that they might be trying to avoid that. Whereas, like, really, he's probably worth a lot more than sixty million. You know what I mean? But maybe we'll get him in that fifty sixty range because they don't want him to go next. They don't want him to go in two years for free, and they don't want him to go next year for thirty five. Is it? Is this the appropriate space to be like, what the fuck has been up with football transfer money for like ten years? It's like. I remember really Wayne, Ro- Wayne Rooney was 30. <laughs> Wayne Rooney was 30 million for like the most promising young English player ever. And now yeah. it's like Ruben Neves, we yeah, 100 million. It's like it's become like yeah. the cost of like starting an airline is like I mean, buying a midfielder. And it's a funny one because I guess all of it comes down to the fact that people like you and I are talking about the game. You know, well, you were talking about the game before, but, you know, it's expanded to all these new markets. And there are Americans like me that did not follow the sport 20 years ago that do follow the sport now. And that's where all the money's come from is all these like international TV rights. But they're not really supposed to spend those on the players. There's all these weird rules and accounting. So it, all, the whole financial system is screwed up and COVID doubly screwed it up where even the teams that are like, you know, very much probably solvent in the long run are not now. And like, so even you'll see that like in the fine print of some of these tweets where like some of the better journalists that really analyze these things are saying like, yeah, like they also have to think about financial fair play because they don't want to like get too far into the red at any point and start, you know, triggering the things where suddenly they have a transfer ban the way that we've seen clubs have lately. So that's another that's another part of this is that everybody has too much money and yet everyone's broke. So go figure with this market. Well, like football is all about just like 
uh, mortgaging your future for winning now. Like it's it's all of these bad financial decisions that they think, all right, well, we're wasting all this money, but if it gets us those extra three points that change us from second place to first place, it's like worth it, right? But everyone yeah. else loses. Like the championship is full of clubs that are spending like an insane amount of their small meager revenue because they're the 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 value of going up is worth yeah the possibility. But if, which if is you, scary if, as a fan because then what's the other possibility? Bankruptcy. What's the, you know what I mean? Like having your team play in conference. It's it's just crazy that the European you know football financial system is so American capitalist and the American soccer so football socialist. it's so socialist. It's like we yeah. just want the opposite thing out of our sports that we get out of our world. A hundred percent. Wow, this well, finally the show's getting heavy again. This is what we need. We needed that we, yes. we haven't talked about like I don't know. Stick it to capitalism. We haven't talked about like f- f- uh, French uh, officials uh, molesting children in their yeah. youth football leagues, which also we could mention because there's been more about that. I did want to bring up the role that gender plays in the socioeconomic structures around capitalism. If we can talk about that for a second and then I'll get into some of the defenders I want to buy. Or no, you finish your defender because <laughs> I'm so sick of hearing about Arsenal. So I was going to say, we have talked about Arsenal way too long, so I'll go quickly, quickly. Saliba, who doesn't want to come back to Arsenal but has been told that he has to, has well, two years Well, if he has left. a contract, then... I that- say, he's got two years left on his deal. Um, he will be like an, he might come back and be our best center back next year. He's like maybe the best center back in Ligoon this year. So who knows? So maybe um, a year of Arteta can change his mind. Or I, was say, I mean, if we, if we he came if he comes back and has a great season this year, then maybe he wants to stick around. If not, he we've put him in the shop window, and now we can sell him for quite a bit while we still have a year left on the deal. Probably sell him for what, like thirty five million, like pro- way more than you spent initially. I don't know. I mean, he'll still be one of the best young central defenders, central defenders in the world, and he'll be 23 at that point. I think it could be. I mean, I would think at least Ben White money, right? So that was 50 million. Well, remember last Ben? Year. Ben White money was funny for a while. So like, <laughs> like it was funny for a while, but then I don't know, and then it kind of seemed like it maybe worked out this year. I don't know. I just got um, sick of talking about all of these white players. Is really <laughs> what I was. I was tired of bringing him up. You're right. We need to bring in race into the socioeconomic gender. <laughs> no, what are you talking about? <laughs> What's his name? <laughs> yeah. um, um, you guys, and then Saliba coming back. And then who is this other guy? So he is a guy who can play right back or left back that we've been linked to quite a lot. Aaron Hickey. Um, and he's it, that cheap. It looks like he's going to be in the 15. Like there's like a, some kind of release clause or I don't know what it is, but there, there's a reason why we're getting him a little bit on the cheap. If we're getting him, um or at least you know probably the real reason is that his agent would like him to be sold for 35 million to one of our direct rivals but we are linked with him now i do think it would be a good move for us to get some sort of fullback in there because that was when when we don't have kieran tierney and when we don't have tomayasu we struggle i'm seeing 21 million pounds and 25 million pounds so i'm seeing a lot of heat but he might be filling in the rest of that budget that you didn't yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe this is back when I was still trying to buy Gabriel Jesus, um, Messi, and Gnabry in the same window. Right. Um, so yeah, could be a fact of me cooking the books. What's yeah. interesting is like looking at this. If if what you're talking about happens, I don't. I can't imagine how Arsenal would feel different. Maybe maybe you're maybe just more primed to imagine well, that. 
Like for me, I, mean, I can imagine what United's like with a functional midfield. I can imagine it because I used to know what it looked like. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas I have basically not seen that. No, no, no. That's not what I mean. I mean, I just mean more like, years. I think you're more likely to be able to say, well, this is this is the, the next step Arsenal would take. It would look like this. And it's not going to be, and suddenly they're winning every match 5 nothing like City. But yeah. like, there's another step up of like, whether it's controlling the match more instead of playing on the counterattack. I don't know if Arsenal play on the counterattack. But like, something like that, where it's it's like just a visible change that yeah. you could in the way that they play or are those players just what they've already got, but just a little bit better. Like that's sort of the question is, is all right. So Arsenal does your plan. What do you get out of it? I do think, well, I don't know. I think on some level soccer is a game where you're, you're the holes in your team hurt you more than the heroes in your team. So like a lot of this is like, if you can make sure that you don't have absolute gaps, like I, that's like, that's the really sad thing where I was saying, like maybe we were a Callum chambers away from the champions league is that, you know, we were really short on defenders. Both of our good center backs were hurt at the end of the year. Both of our good fullbacks were hurt at the end of the year. And they were sort of, you know, even when they were like making it back in the lineup, you knew they weren't a hundred percent. And so I think some of it is like just feeling, you know, like, we could be, you know, a, a really nicely laid $20 million fullback signing might be just what this team needs. It's like just a few players like that. Um, it feels like maybe we'll go million, back to being. Well, 20 million signings used to be like, oh, that's like a good player who could become a great player. Now it's almost like that's just the cost of a player. It's like yeah. it's rare it's to get someone for less than that. <laughs> no, but see, like, like a shit player who plays for a top league it's like at least that yeah yeah oh, except, unless you're that. liverpool unless you're liverpool and then you get some five million pound fullback from straight from scotland and he ends up becoming andy robertson and becomes a very functional yeah. piece of their death star um but thanks thanks for doing that exercise jeff it feels like that it's like what else are we going to talk about if not like <laughs> this is what my idiot team could do yeah no, it was interesting to uh, sort of put it into reality because right I'm in the zone now where I'm like literally refreshing, 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 looking for more transfer gossip. And, and there's not been much yet. Oh, I don't know. I, f- I feel like maybe it's just like Arsenal. I, are, there's always a million. I mean, you guys get it too, but like, there I feel like I'm already lately, which freaks me it. out. Hmm. Like if there's I, no smoke, is there fire? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing. Where do you want the smoke to come from here? All right, thank you. Thank you for passing me the ball, Coach. So, uh, $150 bucks. Of course, some of these prices are just what other journalists are throwing out there, so uh, forgive me if it ends up being different. Sure. But uh, straight out of Eric Ten Hag's Ajax team, 20-year-old center back slash right back, Jerrion Timber. Uh, this is why I want him. He's a ball-playing center back who can basically do everything: dribble, pass, tackle. Except he's five foot ten, uh, mm. so that's pretty short for uh, a fullback or a center back in any league. And that might be really short for one in the Premier League, where you've got like your Andy Carroll-sized players, like so Erling Holland next season for City playing striker. If Timber is defending him and he's up to his to Holland's like armpits, is that a problem? Yeah. Well, I mean, and I see that you've written right back next to him. Is he play right back he, in he, emergency or is he also no, he, a good? 
He's kind of he's kind of one of those players that in Ten Hag system can he's got the attributes to play in either position, and he's, he's twenty, so, so it means he's like he's a little raw because he's only twenty, and that's one of those uh, experience yeah. positive positions where like being a defender sometimes it takes a little longer for you to figure out how to do it at a high yeah. level. But they hit their prime much later, like 27, whereas like other guys are almost, you know, a lot of wingers are like washed up at that point. But if you're someone that like Ten Hag is like, all right, I don't know which of these players are going to listen to me, which of these players are going to do what I say or be able to do what I say. He's already doing it. So I think there is some value to that implicitly. Sure. Um, he's already gotten to kick the tires. He's already gotten like, I think he might be the best defender we would have in our team other than Varane, a healthy Varane. So like... I think he maybe he displaces Maguire. Maybe he just displaces Dalo on the right, and then eventually displaces Maguire. Like it feels like he's just is, a good person to get in. Is Maguire in in a place where you feel like if he was your third or even fourth center back, you're happy to have him around in Europa League games, and or or is he a guy that is kind of taking up space? He's like a Ronaldo, where like he he needs to be mr big captain like we could do a whole episode just on harry Maguire as a shit captain mm. um and i hope he's the one person who's watching this on twitch i hope harry Maguire is obsessively just like listening it's like um, i was liking the 40 minutes of arsenal stuff but this that's what he's here for comes for yeah. the arsenal stays <laughs> yeah. for the arsenal he's got um, an arsenal tattoo right under the sleeve just like he's terror. he's just He's just like mentally not the right person to be captain to be in the spine of this team. Mm-hmm. He's he's he wilts, uh, and he goes and beats people up in bars in Mykonos. Like I feel like there's just no room for that here. Yeah. Uh, so I'd like to get rid of him, but like to to keep it to just who we're bringing in. Um, so Jurian Timber makes tons of sense. Also from the same Dutch league, so Ten Hag would be familiar with this player is PSV's Ibrahim. Sangar or Sangare? I'm not sure. I don't want to butcher that. But hmm. I was this morning at 5:30. Sangare. It's not a good sign for that pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, we neither of us could can really tell. Um, but Stephen Housen, my favorite sort of uh, Howard Stern of Manchester United podcasting. Uh, he was talking about him on his YouTube, where he just he's churning out like three videos a day. This guy hmm. works so much harder than we do. But he, he was mentioning him as an under-the-radar, like, great selection for United uh, for this central defensive midfield position that we've really not filled. Um, he's got everything you want defensively and physically, as Housen was saying. Um, but then in the last season or so, his ball-carrying and passing has been gradually, like, a diagonal line upwards. So he's learning mm. the I like graphs parts. in that shape. <laughs> trends trend forecasting um <laughs> yeah. the 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 rumor the, the rumor the scuttlebutt is 35 to 40 million so so far i've got 75 to 80 million worth of players in in a defender and a central wow. midfielder we but haven't even gotten up to the money side of the ball yet have we no but uh i will say that those are like the two positions that we've been most hurting in because you can get a healthy luke shaw back and he can be left back for another year if you need him to be uh, Bruno and attack like we have other players who when things are clicking are good enough but like well, there's no defense in midfield which means that that's extra stress on all our defense extra stress on the winger like it's we just yeah. need someone to be like an insurance policy like Conte is for Chelsea um, all right so then striker Jonathan David he is a 22 year old Canadian playing for Lille 
at Lille in the French League. He had 19 league goals, and he sometimes there's a drop off when you get those high scoring French players, Jeff, as you know, uh, mm-hmm. as well as I do. But mm-hmm. like considering we've got Ronaldo who's staying next year, you might as well get a younger person to split games with him or a younger person to play off of him in some matches. Uh, and then Ronaldo's gone next year. So like 23-year-old Jonathan David would be the first choice next year, and he'd be half of the first choice this year. Um, I wonder if that won't be... Because isn't Lille the French club that got raided by police today? I didn't even hear that. There was... I believe it was Lille, because that's also where... Wow, you're right. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that would mean. It says over Osimhen's transfer, or Ozeman. Osimhen or Ozeman. I think they sold him to Napoli last year. Yes. And we are we have been linked to him this summer. Arsenal have, but this is Arsenal um, fans link themselves to him. Yes, <laughs> yes. He would be an 80, Arsenal horse and Arsenal bell. He'd be like an eighty-five million pound player at this point. He's like he would be one of the most expensive strikers on the planet. I don't see Arsenal doing that the same way I don't see United doing it. But in FIFA, he becomes incredible. Yeah, I mean the interesting thing is so it is over his apparently. They demanded to pay twenty million more than the transfer that was asked for him. Um, Wait, are you really hijacking my Jonathan David thing to talk about a player that Arsenal are linked to? <laughs> no, 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 no. But I'm talking because I, I do wonder. I wonder if it will go back and affect the club because I feel like, like, I mean, that was like a trans, an outright transfer ban. I feel like it sucks when you can't sell players because then the player is being punished for the yeah, club's behavior. But I could see it going the other way too, where like there's no the, incoming. Well, the club is, you know, maybe fined a big amount or they're not allowed to, you know, they're just limited in what they're allowed to do, or maybe they have legal fees and it's like suddenly, you know what I mean? They're just not in a great Fire position sale? to bargain. And yeah, exactly. And you get players for a little bit less. I mean, Malaga had that problem like 10 years ago where they like imploded financially and all these great players left from there and, you know, tore it up in other leagues but they were getting no fee for them basically. So you're saying you basically the the thesis of what you're saying is Lille is suddenly in the last 24 hours in some form of crisis and we don't know how that will affect the transfer market. But yeah, could be pro or con, but perhaps he would for Jonathan be a, David he'd be a great player if we could get him for the amount that I'm suggesting which is 40 to 50 which like again, like that's a lot of money for a French player like Chumani going to Madrid for possibly 80 million is a shit ton of money from the French league. Yeah. Uh, so 40 or 50 feels doable. Um, never can tell. Also, I found a, Jonathan- had a market correction from like the, I mean, like who was the guy that played with Mbappe um, at, where was he before? Monaco. Monaco? Yeah. Um, he was a teenager at Monaco. He, the, there was that other guy that was also on that team. Damn. Fabinho? I but, no, he was like, he was another winger. I don't know. Anyway, people were saying, oh, maybe he's the next one of that. And it's like, for a while, every Silva? French team. Bernardo Silva? No, no, no. Uh, he was on that team. Hell. Anyway, like, it, it got to a point where every French 19-year-old that had scored, like, you know, a handful of goals in France was going for 80, 90, 100 million. This guy went to Atletico, I think, but I can't remember his name. Damn it. Me either. It'll come back to me. Oh, well. Um, but yeah, no, I think that there's been a little bit of a market correction where like this is a guy where if they had sold this a player with this exact profile a few years ago, it would have been $40 million more. But I think it's, you might have a reasonable cost in there now of 
40 to 50. It's funny, but it's funny. We say reasonable, but that's 20 million more than Wayne Rooney went for as an 18 year old. Like it's, it's crazy to think about where things have gotten. And I blame it all on like Qatar and Dubai. <laughs> like it's seriously, it's, that. it's nation state purchasing. They're like, whatever it costs, we will acquire this person because it's, it's how it looks. Yeah. Which the so other the- United, the, the Newcastle of United's I think might, you know, that could totally inflate the market again because it's like yeah. suddenly there's, another power player involved like the big seven suddenly it's another neymar for 200 million and you're like why like why like i just feel like it's stupid it's like the like i kind of in a way wonder what global soccer would look like if instead of transfer market values it was like there was some way to trade i know it's hard because you can't like if you're getting some player from the Russian league, you can't banish one of your other players to go to Russia in exchange. <laughs> like I get that, but like the like trans- Harry Maguire, uh, you, you play in Argentina now, by the way, <laughs> you speak well, Spanish? In, the M- in the NBA, you don't get to say, I don't want to go there. Like, you don't get to say that, right? It's just a trade happened. Well, yeah. I mean, some players have a no trade clause, but you better be like Kobe to have it. Yeah. So the no trade clause is, is their club saying we are forbidding ourselves under legal recourse from trading this person like right right like that's what's I happening think it's more it's, like the player has the option to turn it down but i don't know i'm big. sure it's different deal to deal but yeah all right well so, so that's that's a bit of a derailment that i just did but basically last last transfer we could be done ismail asar at watford 24 year old right right winger we've seen him for the last few years and he's like one of those like really good but really raw still type mm-hmm. players but we got Jaden sancho to be our right winger and guess what he's a great left winger so <laughs> as has been united's uh, affliction for like the last five years every young player we buy for the attack has to play on the left wing or else yeah. rashford pogba sancho dan james the list goes on <laughs> um but it feels like he would at least be a good right wing option even if sancho's playing there sometimes you've got another player if you've got to go sancho sar you're covered functionally. Yeah. He can get past you on the right wing, cross the ball, etc. And because they got relegated, I'm guessing if he was a 40 something million player pound player before, you could probably shave a quarter or a third of that off just because they're thirsty as fuck for money because they've gotten right. relegated. So if this happens, I think you would see at least a starting 11 of United that now has four new players in it, which would change the team a lot. Yeah, significantly. And I have to say, you did a much better job at like writing up who these players are and why they would be a good fit. And now I want to add them all to my list. <laughs> no, they- well, it's <laughs> not like it's not like uh, Arteta's going like, "Yeah, Hefe, uh, what uh, should we do for?" Uh, I <laughs> fucking can't do it. I can't do a voice. Um, but like, like if he if, was, if they I wouldn't can- tell. I wonder, like, maybe, if, if yeah. all these big scouting departments are doing what they're doing, do you think they also just go, like, maybe I'll just read what this subreddit also thinks we should do and just see if it, they have any ideas we didn't consider? Who was it? that There was a pretty prominent team that admitted that sometimes they look on Football Manager. But that's so like- because Football Manager scouting is, like, they're getting that from, like, the best scouting statistics companies. Yeah. And, like, in the – like, they – Football Manager – beat the shit out of fifa for like how deep their stat tracking and their relative scales like where they can say this guy's really fast in this league that means he would be two points less in like a global rating for speed like they they have it almost figured out as a science whereas united was just going like who is the most famous 
player for this position. Let's go after them and maybe we get them and we probably don't. And like that's I like do it's, think that like they must take it into account to a certain degree because like all of these transfers are like exercises in PR at a certain level where it's like especially if you're a team that's on the ropes and like I mean Arsenal did this for years where we would like we were trying to like win like become the off season champs. You know what I mean? And like trying to like, oh, well, we brought in Ozil, so we'll, we'll be great next year. Come on, come on, buy some more season tickets. And it's like trying to just keep people interested by doing right. that. And so I think they must they must at some point say like, what would the fan reaction be to these guys? Which I think probably drove Arsene Wenger nuts because all he wanted to do is buy some guy you'd never heard of who's going to be great in two years. You know, Well, the fan reaction is best when the team wins. Yes. So maybe if that's priority number one, all those other things will sort of fall into place instead of thinking only about priorities two through 10, which is what United has been doing for the last however long. And yes, Arsenal to a certain extent, but it feels like you guys got the memo at least a few months, if not years earlier. I think on some level you look into your wallet and you say, oh, like, well, if we're reaching the bottom of that, maybe we got to start doing that frugal thing that actually worked. But or maybe it's like Netflix at the time that Netflix needs good content more than ever because they're losing subscription subscribers and they're yeah. losing revenue. They're cutting they're their costs for content. Yeah. They're canceling shows and they're making less of them, which will in turn just continue that avalanche of people fleeing Netflix. Yeah. And I think spiral. with with both of our clubs, you can see in different capacities like. United's performance is doing worse, which now is catching up to them in sponsorships. It's catching up to them in the extra money you get from qualifying for Champions League. It's catching up to them in the players that they want saying, I actually don't even want to go there. Like all of that starts to become something right. that your performance earns. So like, yeah. And I mean, it makes you wonder though, like if you think back a few years, like in the Man United boardroom where you had a transfer on the table, like Paul Pogba, where even the most casual of United fans would have like known that and been excited about it and been ready to buy a Jersey and all that, you know, was there another option on the table that maybe would have been less celebrated in the moment, but like would have been a balanced team, a a balanced team that was assembled by one thought process instead of every new manager, every 12 to 30 to 12 to 24 months, is saying, okay, I don't like any of these assholes the last guy got, so I'm just going to get these four guys that I want, and then that's like this weird collage of different players that would suit different systems and not others. Yeah. So you have like this car that's got like a Porsche tire, it's got like a go-kart tire, it's got a bike tire, like it's got a steering wheel, Yeah. but like not brakes. It's the Tour de France de NASCAR. And David De Gea is driving it into things. So, like, I, I, I feel like it's, it's a, like, a, a, that's why everyone always says, like, give the coach time, give the coach time. Like, if year after year things get worse and worse, that's one thing. But, like, it should yeah. be about gradually replacing all the broken shit, all the shit that doesn't fit. Because you need at least 11 plus 7 players that are all good enough and marching to the same drummer, at least, to, to be good. Yeah. And we don't have that. We don't have 11. So, um, all right. Do we, sorry, that was depressing. Do we want to quickly, what, all right. So what do you, what do you expect is going to happen next season? Not, not a full prediction, but like, 
Are you optimistic? Are you pessimistic? Where are you at? Window. I mean, you can you can probably wipe your butt with all these predictions. I think so. Here, here's what I, I think. I have a bidet. Season, I have a bidet, Jeff. I, I don't need to. Okay. Well, you can you can spray your butt off with these. <laughs> I don't know. You can't you can't use predictions. Yeah, now know. streaming our predictions. <laughs> oh, it is streaming. So I guess it is more like a bidet. You're right. That's what I'm um, here for. So these streaming predictions um, to be sprayed onto your poopy butt. I would say. Last year, Arsenal were a bit lucky to finish as high as they did, and we finished eighth. So, like, if you look at the underlying statistics of how bad we were last year, we were kind of lucky there. This year, I think we were a just slightly unlucky. I think we were about we were playing like a team that's like a fringe fourth or fifth place team, and we ended up in fifth. And I think, assuming some improvement, some players that get better over the summer and some new players that are brought in. I'd like to say that we're, you know, a, next year we ought to be in the Champions League. That's sort of, that would be what I expect, and anything less than that is a failure. I don't know. What's funny is I probably, that at least that last bit, I could I could and probably should say the same. Like, Ten Hag, your goal is to get us back into the Champions League immediately, because if you don't, that's another year where we're losing a whole nother player right. from our summer project. But like you feel that way, I feel that way. Spurs fans feel that way. City and Liverpool have probably the entitlement and the right to feel that way. Oh, yeah. and Chelsea. So like it's like it's like what what's what is going to like two of those teams have to be disappointed next season, and that's yeah. also assuming West Ham don't grow another level or you have another surprise right. Leicester. Exactly. I'm hoping or for a Chelsea. How good, can, how good can Newcastle be next year? I don't think they're going to be. I think next year they're trying to get into Europa. Europe. Right. But, but that makes them a threat to us too. And, and right, someone who's nipping okay. our ass. Like, if you told me next year that either of our teams, or who knows, both, did not make it into Europe or only made it into the conference, you know, thing where you have to play FC Maria Pole, maybe. You know Wouldn't what I mean? It's not like out of the realm of possibilities, is it? It would feel like it was the podcast's fault if you told us that in advance of starting the podcast. It's like next year, as soon as you're done with season one of the podcast, both your clubs will be very disappointed. Like that, that feels like it's just like that Amazon documentary. This is why Arsenal had the dramatic season we did is because Jeff Bezos was. Oh, is it like if what is it like if you do an Amazon all or nothing documentary series, your team doesn't do well? Is that like the that's like the is it the NFL video game cover or the FIFA video game cover. It was like for a while, an athlete that was on it, oh, yeah, like yeah. a season ending injury, like pr- pretty much every time. Every time. No, I think it's more like because it's not that we had a bad year in the end. We had like the probably a year that it was successful in a weird way, but like we had the most dramatically like fifth place year that you could possibly have. So I think they, they are, they're casting it for. You know, the writers of that show were a little bit WWE. The Premier League writers are a bunch of assholes. I feel like that's like what that's that like solidarity meme where it's like both of our hands like yeah, like Arsenal fans, United fans, like clasping hands, and then it just says like Arsenal fans, United fans, and then the handshake is just like this is bullshit. A hundred percent. But I'll be back next year. I mean, what 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 would get you to not come back next year? I, I ask myself that question every week, actually, for the past few months. You know, weirdly, this is going to be like a little bit of a tangent, but I can tell you is that it takes about, for me personally, 
it takes about 20 years before I start losing interest because I was like the biggest like diehard like well at the time they were the Washington you know only racial slur you were allowed to say at work in the 90s team and the like, Washington I'm- Guidos are finally coming to town <laughs> to kick your team's ass the Washington Wops we go for the alliteration <laughs> Some Italians um, like, uh, they could say it if they want to. Like, <laughs> it's your word now. <laughs> we basically assimilated. No, um, and like, I don't know. I mean, I stuck with the team through so long, and I still like. Ultimately, I'm never gonna be a fan of some other team, but it's like they've lost the place in my mind where, like, every time I'm bored, I'm thinking about like my favorite team, and it used to be shared between them and Arsenal, and now it's basically just Arsenal. Like, I don't. I've really I've gotten to a point where I'm totally numb to them, but it took I mean, it took literally 30 years of like almost indifference as a team. Wait, before. is is Arsenal your only true diehard fandom now? Yeah, I mean, I have like a lot of teams that I like like in American sports. I mean, well, college college sports I'm still like a pretty diehard Maryland Terrapins fan, but like mm-hmm. Even that, I'm not. I'm definitely an Arsenal fan before anything else. Like they're the ones that I like. I know every player on the roster and have an opinion and a story. And like you know, in this episode, about 20 minutes too much talk to have about them. It's kind of really sweet, actually. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's like adorable. <laughs> um, would you ever get like an Arsenal tattoo? This is not even next season's expectation, so maybe I could turn this off and then we could do our last news story. But would you get an Arsenal tattoo at some point? I don't have any tattoos, so maybe like they're they're on a short list of things that I would maybe get a tattoo of. But I'm get probably the not get the tattoo. gunner cannon silhouette by itself. That way, it's like it's uh, ab- abstract enough that if something bad happened, you could just be like, "No, I just love cannons." <laughs> no, I was just planning on joining the military when I was forty. <laughs> I just love in a fiction show the canon of that show. Like I just love things that are officially true. Like. I like that show Wildin' Out with Nick Cannon. <laughs> um, I don't like Cantons. I like you Cannons. Have, you have tattoos, but you don't have I have several. Tattoo, right? No, I think about that a lot. I was actually, you're going to laugh, six months ago, the thing I was thinking about getting was a Marcus Rashford silhouette tattoo. Ooh, man, that would really be going all in for a particular player that is but still was, playing. It was the Mason Greenwood thing that changed my mind because the point is none of us know these players. Even if they're your favorite player ever, you don't know. Like you might be CR7 FC, but until that news story comes out about Ronaldo and that woman in Las Vegas that we've covered extensively poorly, um, we've covered extensively poorly. um, (laughs) But like you don't, as even as Ronaldo's biggest fan, you'd have no access to knowing that that happened or that he could do that. So like, in my mind, there was a point where I was like lionizing Marcus Rashford for the feeding the kids over COVID and like for sure. him using his platform for what seemed like the best way an athlete could use their platform. But then it's like, if what if he the next season has what the season he just had and then decides, I'm done with United, I'm jaded, I hate it here, I'm leaving. Like, then I'd feel like a prick for having like, yeah current uh atletico player marcus rashford's tattoo like so it, then you could just get into american football and you could get more of a silhouette that's fatter around it and just cover up that you could just envelop that silhouette right you could you could do that <laughs> like you, you could Ruth. also but but <laughs> you you can't jeff you're not even safe 
if you wait until the player retires, because I like, was just going to say, because like, well, you could go for Rooney or I could go for Henri or Bergkamp or something. A right? new Ryan Giggs story comes out every six months. And there was a yeah. point where I could have said Ryan Giggs is my favorite player. And then I started to learn about all this shit as it was coming you out. Just like, got Fuck. his body hair tattooed all over you. And then that would have been really hard to cover up. What if the... United gets purchased, not like even from the Glazers and it's purchased by someone worse. And like it's someone who yeah. pushes me to the brink of not supporting the team again. Now I've got their logo. Comes back. I've got this badge permanently on my body. Like it feels like soccer has become too risky to permanently connect to, and that hurts my feelings. But is that? I mean, but is that different than like any other tattoo? Because like on some no. level, I guess that's the thing of a tattoo is that like look at well, all like, this. Like, like none of this shit means that. Like none of this shit means anything that you could ever be like, uh oh man, stars, star shapes are bad now. Like, well, you say that, but then you know before, like then like a beautiful thousand year old symbol could like become the new like fascist thing next year. Like for all you know. An eagle. An eagle's definitely going to become a fascist, a fascist thing again. It's been yeah, before. It'll be again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do we want to quickly cover a U.S. men's national team and the U.S. women's national team having a collective bargaining agreement about Gender pay care. equity? Yeah. Um, pretty interesting the way that they have chosen to do it. I had crazy deja vu with this story. Because we talked about it for that episode that got ended up not getting finished because we lost our internet connection. Exactly. And we decided like, to not revisit it. <laughs> I was like, well, didn't they already win this case like several months ago? And they did win their case. Um, they got about like a $24 million payout, I believe, from that. Um, but then they still had to sort of decide what was going to happen going forward. So they had sort of won the case for what had happened in the past. And then they had to figure out what's the new agreement going to be. And the agreement that they've come up with is pretty novel. No other football association in the world does it like this, but basically they're going to take the prize pools of the men and women and split them equally. Uh But what I find very interesting about this sort of solution is that, so the women for winning the last world cup got $4 million because that's sort of the level of monetization of women's world cup in the world. The men just for qualifying for the world cup got eight, but what I find sort of at least hypothetically interesting about this is that theoretically could the women end up subsidizing? You know, we're in a world where you have Jonathan Davids and you have Canada is suddenly a force. And, you know, it's not like we made the previous World Cup. Like we're in a world where it's not that strange to think that the U.S. could go through a qualification drought or it could maybe, you know, crap their pants in a gold cup here and there. But this, is there any CBA chance? only lasts for a couple of years? Like they renew these things and renegotiate them every couple of years, the same way a league does. Sure, but I mean, if this becomes sort of the general blueprint of it, is that they're going to pool resources and split it evenly? Is there any chance? Because they're they're having to decide that pool before they've figured out what they're going to win. Is there any chance that you know the women sort of win their four or five million dollars worth of prizes? And the men don't hold up their end of the bargain. So no, you don't get you don't get men. you don't get money just for a year happening. You get paid for appearances. You get paid for goal and assist bonuses, and then you get paid if you like. There are no, bonuses we're, we're for winning a tournament right now, though, because you're you're talking about like the bonus. How that money? How player. that money goes to the players is through appearances. So if you don't qualify for the World Cup, you don't get any any money. It's not like you get no, additional but- money from someone else. 
it's but I'm still, talking it's, about the team level incentives. So like if the U.S. men's national team qualifies, the entire team gets an eight million chunk that then gets split up. You know, that's up to the football association. So maybe the star players get more than the youngins. Maybe the guys that score all the goals get bonuses for that. It's up to them. But, but if the men don't qualify, they get zero for that. For that, right. They, they right. still get paid. I think there's like so a dollar appearance fee for other matches. Right. I mean, I'm sure every match that's a qual, you know, the qualifiers they get paid for and some of the lesser tournaments. But I think that there's a not that crazy like hypothetical here where the women don't actually make any more or maybe even lose some of the money they've rightfully earned based on the setup. Now, I think actually, I mean, I'm saying this mostly because it's like an interesting what if I think actually it won't go that way and they'll get, you know, more money than the women's team was actually awarded in prizes. And I think that it's probably, you know, a positive thing for gender pay gap stuff. Um, it's, but it's, it's treating one of the symptoms. It's not treating the core problem, which is that the sure. club leagues, which are what every player makes their yearly take home in no player, no men's player other than like MLS fringe players who aren't making very much money. Like right. no men's national team players. Like, man thank god for the national team where i wouldn't have made ends meet this year like that's it's it's basically a, a few grand in bonuses in a normal year and it's a few more grand in bonuses in a great year which we rarely have um whereas with the women's team at their old deal used to be we would like a salary for every player in the pool regardless of what happens and then slightly less of a bonus they wanted security Instead of the right. high risk, high reward of, oh, if you win, you get way more bonuses. But if you don't, you get nothing. So it was kind of a, a have your cake, eat it too situation. Um, and now I'm not sure where, what it is. Because it feels like it feels like the, the National Team Federation is not where most of the soccer money is. So it's like, why, not, why aren't we talking about MLS having uh, female equivalent clubs like if you want to have dc united you have to have dc united w like something like yeah. that which is what like the barcelonas and the cities and the united's and the arsenals and the liverpool like all of them are subsidizing another team which by the way you're not getting paid anywhere near the same in those leagues but they're subsidizing yeah. it even though it's not yeah. driving you want to buy a right back in the women's league it's still very reasonably priced <laughs> and everyone's on like one year contracts because they're like the league could fold in two minutes so, yeah. like, really, if you wanted to, 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 to fix this problem, it's each nation that has a big league need, needs to create some sort of, like, equality club argument. Because the I national think, team thing would not even be a discussion if that happened. Because then that making, means that... Yeah, if they were also in a position where it was just a bonus. Kylian Mbappe makes so much a year. That's right. more money than all the women's players in the world make in a year. Or, that's only, an my only problem with that is you know if you're just looking for someone with deep pockets to subsidize the women's game and you have a giant league like you're the premier league or you know you're la liga or something like that then i think it makes sense to say okay you guys all have to subsidize a women's team and you know who knows maybe in 10 20 years you'll grow the game to the point where it's self-sustaining or maybe even profit making mm -hmm. i don't think i don't think it's gonna actually do that though for those leagues because if you look like They've been at it for a while. The WNBA has existed for a while, similar setup, and that isn't marketing the women's game very well. 
You know what I mean? Whatever they're doing is not working. It's not becoming self-sustaining. And I wonder if you'd be better off. And I don't know what the secondary, but doing something that doesn't tag the, doesn't just attach the women's game to the coattails of the men's game. Like, Oh, you know, if you're a Washington wizards fan, come on down for the Washington mystics because no one is buying that. You know what I mean? Whereas even in America, the women's, you know, women's soccer might still be a like in some ways more popular than men's soccer. You know, at least for the World Cup. For at World least Cup, for the World Cup. But the World Cup is something that's exciting once every four years, and the women's team has a very easy time qualifying, beating up on countries that didn't have Title Nine, that didn't have like college yeah. athletics creating this pipeline of talented players. Like they're beating up on like China by like eleven goals or whatever at certain points in the past. So. I don't I don't know if that's an argument. I I just I still think we're we're still talking about slightly different things with this which is yes. if it's about pay equity p- going to the to the private company that is a non it's it's a private what's it called uh non it's a non-profit I think uh, USSF is. Yeah. But you're going to that that is like a soccer player's career is their club and their hobby is their national team. And it's saying we want hobby equality. Like that's what this feels kind like. Of. I'm not but for saying- the women's game, it's not that because I mean, there's nothing there's no women's club money. And obviously and the, but the problem with MLS and you know and some of the lower leagues in general is there's not really any men's money either. It's not like the MLS teams are raking it in. No, every MLS team is losing money, which I just read right. about that. It feels like it's like a housing bubble kind of thing that eventually will. Blow How up can and- they be the ones that are on the hook to subsidize the game? You know, they don't have They don't, they're not caking out. No, no, you're right. I'm not saying there's an easy answer because the thing no one wants to say out loud is if people wanted to watch women's soccer, they would like it, it exists now. And some people watch it, but not very many people. Not enough because if it, it was if it was a possible revenue generator, greed would overcome sexism. I think. Think about how many racist people are like, "Cool, I'll do something with Snoop Dogg." Like it's it's yeah. It's, I'll, I'll 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 do whatever whatever I have to do to make more money. Like you have to use people's greed to drive social change when whenever possible. The same way that like pride has become a big money maker. So now Sprite's got to have a pride thing. It's it's. Right. It's that. So with women's soccer, how many leagues have folded? How many leagues have like been like, we're going to be the ones. And then three years later, they're they're not financially run in a way that allows them to survive because nobody is paying money for it. And, I, and it's not to say women, the women's team aren't great. They're relatively in the world of national team soccer. Fantastic. But I'm, there's a certain point where it's like the money doesn't just show up because you deserve it. It shows up because of capitalism we're in late stage capitalism we unfortunately have to deal with that yeah i mean the only thing that i would say about the sort of late stage capitalism argument is that even at times like for instance within the world cup the men are pulling lower ratings than the women on tv at times and so like is that true not in the world cup in the world cup it's bars that are packed and everyone's freaking out it's just that we didn't qualify for the much harder to qualify for men's world cup this one last time so there's a recency bias well okay so i i've looked this up before and granted i didn't look it up like recently but a few years back i remember looking and seeing that the ratings for women's world cup games in america were higher than for men's world cup games in america but 
the monetization of those ratings was not. And so I guess my thing is that while I agree that there probably isn't like, you know, there isn't going to be some pro league that they can just start really like milking for the women's game. I do think that it's still an under underutilized asset. I think that people are a little more interested and even, you know, all the names and likenesses and the modeling. And, you know, there's like, there, this is a big business that has not been monetized very well. And what little has been monetized well has not been shared very equitably with the people who've created it, the, the women athletes. female. That, athletes. But that could be true too. That could be independently true. Um, here I see U.S. viewership of the 2019 Women's World Cup final was 22% higher than the 2018 Men's final, which the United States was not in. Not if in. you're if yeah. you're asking about what are are people going to watch a international tournament because of patriotism, that's literally what the Olympics is. It's a bunch of boring ass sports that people watch because America yeah. could win. And that means that I'm yeah. good. For two weeks, people will watch curling because of patriotism. But that's Probably my point. Probably not all year. If, yeah. the men, if the men were in a... It, like, here's a hypothetical that I think ends this conversation. If the United States men were in the World Cup final, would that it, beat the viewership would, of the women's final? It, it would beat the viewership of the Super Bowl. You're right. I mean, like, it would... <laughs> it it would go. be an incredible thing, but they're not. You know what I mean? So it's like you, you got to compare apples to. I, I don't want this to sound like I'm punching down on women's football. I'm not. I'm arguing that the the people that look at this as a black and white, if you believe in no. gender equality, you have to believe this. I think that's a a lie. Yeah, it's it's different because it's it's, it's, a, it's it's very different than like in a boardroom where you know what I mean. The the gender of the person really doesn't matter it matters about the performance because in that boardroom you know like the all those people are in there trying to go out into the world and get money and bring it back to that boardroom you know what i mean the and olympics the, the summer olympics or the winter olympics are an event that generates x dollars and there are x and y athletes there that are male female trans you could argue like i don't know that that, sure. that wouldn't affect payment but like all of those athletes i think get paid based on do they get paid anything or is it just volunteer? It's all sponsorships then, right? They, yeah, they are, they are all sponsorships. So I guess I can't make that argument because in that case, they're paying individual sponsorship deals to individual athletes and it's not equal. No. You're Carrie Strug and, then, and LeBron James are getting different amounts of sp sponsorship money for the Olympics. Well, and then so much of it comes down to who, you know, it comes down to marketability where it's like, you know, if you're Mia Hamm and, you know, you kind of like not only are you an athlete, but you can like also easily be like a cover girl, then you suddenly mm -hmm. are making like a bigger check than, you know, someone else that but Mia Hamm is, not, is the literal know. goat. Like Mia Hamm is the literal greatest female player ever to the point sure. where she's in her own tier almost outside of this whole conversation. Like she could still well, do a and Gatorade she's sort of a bad example for me because I guess like the, the point that I'm trying to make is that if the, if the person who barely, you know, the very last player who makes it on the bus of the U S women's national team happens to be someone that Vogue wants on their cover, you know, what oh, I, mean? like, yeah, I see what you're like, saying. There's that where it's like, there's sexism and who gets chosen right, for marketing it's, it's always, for sure. And I mean, all of that is like very fluid and subjective. And like, you know, I think back in the Mia Ham days, it was, there was a lot more of like a stratification of like, these are what pretty people look like. And this is, whereas now I think people like are 
like people are, you know, the, the latest Sports Illustrated cover where they're like actively sort of challenging assumptions about beauty and like putting people on that cover that they wouldn't have put on there, frankly, even five years ago. But then those people should start watching W USA or, or is that still what it's called? Shit. Sorry. W USA. That might've been the one that folded. That was the one that folded shit. Um, Women's pro soccer. We don't know the name of the league (laughs) because, because the league changes every few years. So it's really hard to, it's called NWSL national women's soccer league. But like, Honestly, all those people should then follow those clubs. Like they, they they could start voting with their dollar if they wanted to, but nobody's doing it. Even the people that are being loud about this in the media are not watching the women's pro soccer league. The numbers yeah. just are not there. And 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 I I hate to say it, it's just one of those things where like there is unfortunately a, like a permanent sexism based into the physical differentiation of gender. You know, like the fact that like you want to see the fastest, you want to see the the most powerful, like all of that. Unfortunately, cheats male. Mm, You're being that, given more of that. Maybe, maybe to a certain extent, but you know, explain Serena Williams. Then, you know what I mean. Like there are female athletes who they have a fully developed ecosystem that they get to play in. And mm-hmm. then suddenly it's very easy to monetize it because there's already a thing called Wimbledon. And you know what I mean? Like they're, they're, they already have places to play. They already have the contracts in place. And so there's money to be made on them. And frankly, Serena Williams is a more, you know, marketable and money-making tennis star than, you know, a lot of men who might be able to beat her in a match. Tennis? You know- Tennis has the lowest gender pay gap in sports, even though men are still earning 35% more than women. And that's as of September. But no one's suing tennis. Because that's that's a, it's it's different nations, it's different tournaments, and it's all individual people, right? Yeah. Or is it that decentralized? Or is it like the prize money for this tournament is already just assigned to place? Like you finish second, you you know you know what you'll be winning at that tournament months in advance, right? I I get the feeling it's like very much like a purse system, you know. But that but those are they're two different purses for men's and women's right there. Right, and I mean I'm not saying that that's perfect either, but I think like the idea that like no one wants to watch women because they have like a few seconds slower on the 40 yard dash time on average, I think is not true. I think like if you have the infrastructure in place, people are very interested in watching women, especially if there's, especially if you have people who are, you know, like a Serena Williams, who is like sort of, you know, when you have those Tiger Woods, Michael, when you have those stories and those people who are really incredible at what they do, you know, like I think if there had been a better infrastructure around Mia Hamm, there was probably more money to be made in the Mia Hamm business, but she was sort of pioneering, you know, she was the first that anyone. Right. Back then it was just the United or it was the UNC women's college team that was essentially fueling the entire national team program. And that put them like generations ahead of other countries that just had Mm -hmm. female amateur players who had no college system that were just like, yeah, we can play. And like, then they would crush them. Uh, So I feel like there was a time when the, when we did have the only ecosystem in town. Right. 
And, so, I mean, but, I, but I think money, there's but the money would have been the reason that that persisted, and the the lack of money is the issue. And so, at this out of the same mouth, I'm asking you, well, look at the money that's appearing for Killian Mbappe. It's just appearing, which I mean, we know why we know where it's coming from, but like that level of money, just the Mbappe money is like I think on par with like the league, with like the women's league in America or the or the yeah. women's. Premier League equivalent, which is a smaller league. Well, and it's a good point that you're sort of, that is tangential to that. That's like, if like the biggest financial drivers of why, you know, professional soccer on the men's side has become like the prices have gotten outrageous is there's a bunch of countries that are not known for their particularly progressive stances on women's issues that are fueling that. You know what I mean? And it's like, imagine like a, a sort of alternate universe where everyone who had large oil deposits or who was able to steal <laughs> a lot of Soviet machinery, imagine if they were all like oh, what a world. You know, the craziest <laughs> like feminist countries you'd ever met in your life where we looked at them and we're like, that's too liberal. That's crazy. Like, imagine if that was the world we lived in and then Canada. You know, suddenly, <laughs> suddenly yeah like if, if all of those countries had like canadian values i think you know we might be looking at a different landscape in women's sports but they don't so i don't know that that's an interesting contributing factor so just to be clear the only point i wanted to make was not that women who play soccer professionally should not be paid well i think they should i think the clubs are the cause not the national team and that was my whole point and yeah. I think that I it would catch up around to agreeing, <laughs> but it would it would catch up faster if there was more money coming into the women's game. You could say, "Give us a bigger percentage of the pie than you're giving us," but I feel like they're currently yeah. giving them a, a big percentage of the pie that they're generating. They just wish the pie were bigger, which I can I can understand and empathize with. Yeah. I wish the pie was bigger too. I just was saying I don't think that it is sure. bigger right now. Like that's. And it sounds like I'm saying it from more of an agenda. I don't think it's that. I just feel like this is a rare issue where I feel on the other side of the line from the more loud feminist mouthpieces talking about it. Normally, I'm like, I totally agree. I'm right right there with you. This feels like, uh, what's the word? Not a a straw man argument. It it, it feels like a not logical art like once you put the logic yeah. on paper you're like this isn't as open and shut as well, all the other like issues photo are. Op. there's a little bit of like this aaron brockovich photo op that happens when you win a big court case or when you know you renegotiate the collective bargaining agreement or whatever it is and you can say like yeah we got our bigger slice of the pie but like you're saying like part of the reason they were getting a measly slice of the pie to begin with is that no one had been bike baking pies for them <laughs> and like the you know what i mean like so it's yeah. like the, the that whole pie making economy needs to grow for there to be anything worth sharing. But I, I, I guess my argument would be that I think you could do it. I think that it, it would you take could time. It would probably take generations. Yeah. You yes. know what I mean? It took generations. Like, you know, you go need clothes that survive for 20 years, much less three. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I mean, you, you, it takes time for people to get attached to it. It takes time for people to, you know, build up the infrastructure around the game that's not even in the game of like who are going to be like like I have commentators that I like listening to in various sports. Name who's your favorite women's soccer commentator? You know what I mean? Like these are things that take time to build these affinities and if it hasn't been done yet and it'll take a while, I think. 
I by the way, I think I could I think it was United. I feel like United had a female commentator for the first time that I've ever heard this past Sunday. Oh, interesting. It was it was either United or one of the other matches I was watching on on the final match day, but like I, I heard I, I was startled because I couldn't recall the last time I'd heard one not for a US women's national team match. Yeah. And it was like this particular person was maybe a little bit less poetic than like the the usual big names that you see on like big matches, but I bet you it was like the league because the league had all ten of their final matches all at the same time, so nobody wins first, and then finding out that news fucks with the results in other matches, like from a yeah, betting yeah, yeah. perspective or anything like that. But like, I think it gave more commentators a chance to try, a chance to do like a live That's trial really or audition. And it's the same year that we saw finally female uh, lines official officials or assistant Ooh. officials or second. I can't remember yeah. what the exact role was, but like female officials starting to play a role in the match for Premier League and for like that is happening. It is. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's too, it's so slow that it doesn't help the current generation of like 20 somethings. Mm. Right. It helps. It helps the generation that's like school child age right now for when they right. are finally like and, and i agree with you it could happen in the future it should happen in the future if we continue to as the pendulum swings both ways like at inch towards being a more liberal society if we're on the precipice of like roe v wade being overturned gay marriage being overturned i wouldn't say soccer professional pay equity in this country is gonna even be the biggest problem we have to deal with from a from a gender certainly, certainly not the biggest problem we have to deal with right now, but it is, you know, it's this big symbolic one. But I don't think we solved it with this, and and that's it's yeah. it's I I still think this was the 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 wrong party was sued to make meaningful change, or not sued, but like from a yeah. from a court of public opinion. I feel like the well, because it's probably not a problem that you can just sue away. Like I think that they I think that they've sued as much as you can sue. And like, I think that the the next wave of the solution is like, but think about let's this, actually all, build the women's game. But all sports leagues are like, we're starting this thing. We're only going to hire men. That is the idea of a sports league. It is a sexist company from the get go. Well, I mean, you're thinking uh, in a very American way. But to why make couldn't it sports elite? leagues be co-ed teams that you had to have like, like, like the way you play intramural yeah. sometimes, where they say you have to have a certain number of female competitors in the field. What if it was five and six? That would be a really interesting thing to watch, actually. It would, because then still, if you're City and PSG, you are going after the best female talent so that those slots are filled in the, in the most meaningful way they could be. And then those players are suddenly getting paid millions and millions of dollars. Plus, by combining, yeah. by combining, like, that's the true, like, I'm like more liberal than Bernie and AOC move is to just eliminate gender separated <laughs> leagues. Then you're a trans athlete. Guess what? You still get to play. Like there's no argument right. that you couldn't. And like, right. it feels like all of a sudden everyone's included. There's a system that facilitates that and the money wouldn't happen overnight, but it would start to go come out in the wash a little bit. I Everyone would love that if they be- just deleted the Confederation cup. And like when they do that sort of world cup walk through the year before the world cup, if that was like your co-ed 11 co-ed world cup or but then what if you just replace the world cup with the co-ed world cup and then yeah. and then you and then it's it's still it's every 4 years but it is every eyeball that would be fascinating i would love to see that like 
even just like I don't even mean that from like a social justice warrior perspective. Just like because you've never gotten be, to see it, you've never I would just gotten be to interested see to see what that looks like. You know, like I've seen it in my college dorm, but the people that were playing in my college dorm on those co-ed teams are a little bit different than right. You know, Ronaldo and Mia Hamm. <laughs> It might sound like my uncle is like Jay Berhalter or someone who works for the United States Soccer Federation. It's not. I just think that no, no one's talking about these things. They're, it's like this is just like you said, it's, or, or like you implied it, I'm going to stretch out further. It mm. feels like it's all about the news cycle and not about fixing the problem. Yeah. Because I don't think this fixed the problem, and that is my only issue with it. I think it's a step in the right direction, though. You don't think it's a step in the right direction? No, because now it feels like jo- it's the mission accomplished banner that George Bush is standing mm. in front of. That's what it is. We fixed none of the problem, but it now feels like we did. So the next time someone suggests something radical, it's, oh, we already did this thing, which doesn't solve the problem. Hmm. So, so that's where I'm at. I feel like if we want to do something like this, do something that makes sense <laughs> versus something that is a BuzzFeed headline. And, and that is the last word because I have to go use the bathroom before my next meeting. <laughs> so, but this is our longest podcast ever. Uh, so it's been fun. Thank you, Jeff, as always. Thank you, Skylar, as always. And we'll, as soon as somebody signs somebody, you will hear our annoying voices once more. Yep. And we will retweet it well after the fact. We are not in the know. We will retweet it at Tweet the Sockers. Jeff has been doing a great job of being the only person who is functionally operating any of the social handles. So thank you, Jeff. I just, I, 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 and I also, I, a lot of the stuff that I like on there, I think that I'm on my other account and so <laughs> enjoy it. You know, Jeff like liked some tweet. really sketchy RGB tweet that I posted. And I was like, okay, cool. Meet the soccer's thing. Likes my RGB tweet. Um, uh, thank you again, buddy. It's been a hell season uh and uh we will wake up again and do it again august 6th is when it starts that's that's the beginning right preseason is in like five weeks dude wow so retreat the soccers goodbye everybody bye Suckers, need the suckers.